You have just entered the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast with Ralph Vieira, also known as Dr. Fuck, Ian Wiley, the Ayatollah of Alcohola, and Terrence Reedon, the Rock Sponge. Now spread those ear holes and let them turn your brain to mush. This is the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting, uh, crazy, wacky ass episode. And I'm here with my friends Ian and Terrence. How you guys doing? Alright, alright. Splendid. This week we're going to talk about the fourth Metallica album, Injustice for All, which uh, many believe is their last great album, even though the Black Album sold more than your mom. And uh, so... I don't know. My um, my mom sold a lot. I just want to throw that out there. Trust me. Your mom ain't selling no more. And they still are. Okay? They're still selling. Your mom... Your mom was selling more back in, back, you know, even three years ago. But like the past years, I think Metallica eclipsed your mom. Yeah, she but, you know, that's, that comes with age, you know? Yeah, she slowed down. Anyways, uh, okay, so uh, I guess we'll start with a little background of how we discovered Injustice for All. And for me, uh, first time I heard any of it was when I saw the Monsters of Rock tour where they played Harvester of Sorrow. Uh, that was my first song hearing... Uh, that album that album was delayed quite a bit um then when it finally came out um i remember running out and it came out the same day as anthrax released that piece of crap called state of euphoria and uh i bought them both and i went home listened to them both and i i don't remember i probably put the metallic on first and i enjoyed it and then i heard the anthrax i didn't enjoy it uh the metallica i did enjoy it but it was a fast burn for me i just put it on yesterday to refresh myself how it was and yeah it's a little better than how I remembered it because there was a while there I didn't like that album that much you know compared to the first three I still think it's a downgrade but uh, we will discuss track by track and when we do I'll talk about the problems I have with this album um, and uh, that's it that's all I gotta say about it and, oh yeah and then I saw the tour two times because it played in Miami a place that rarely has any shows called the Guzman Center where I actually saw Triumph in Saxon back in 81 and the Headbangers Ball Tour with Anthrax, Halloween and Exodus uh, I think those are the only shows I ever saw at that venue Queensryche opened on the Operation Mind Crime tour they opened with Queen of the Reich pretty badass then they played West Palm Beach like a day or two later which is unheard of because when people come to Florida they just play a gig and they're out of here where for Metallica to play, like, driving distance, you know, it was very rare. I don't think I've seen any band ever do that, actually. So um, I saw the tour twice. It was the first time I got to see Metallica. It was the first tour they came down to Florida, which unfortunately means I never got to see the great Cliff Burton. And uh, they were mind-blowing shows. Uh, Metallica was amazing live back then. They were even amazing on the Black Tour, which I saw three times. And I'll, dis- I'll discuss one of those shows because it has something to do with one of the songs on Injustice. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's what I got to say about Injustice. So uh, take it away, Terrence. All right. Injustice for All was released in August of 1988. I first heard the album 
thanks to a brother who I'm sadly estranged from now because of drugs and alcohol abuse on his part, uh, and he played me the Injustice for All album. My first Metallica album was Master of Puppets, by the way. I heard Injustice, he played it for me, and the first song I heard from it was actually the title track, and it just, I was like, whoa, this is a pretty cool tune, and then I made a copy of the tape, wore that out quick, and then got the cassette a week later, legitimately, and played that son of a bitch for about a month until that motherfucker snapped on me one day, was pissed, my father then had to rebuy it for me, and that copy wound up lasting me a number of years, because, um, I mean, I kind of, although I do love Van Justice for All, I do kind of suffer, it does suffer from some slight burnout for me, A and B, um, the mixing wasn't one of the better mixed albums, in my honest opinion. And Metallica is a band I have yet to see live, because when the Injustice for All tour hit, I was only 13. And 13-year-olds uh, at a big rock concert in those days were sort of frowned upon. Um, and that's basically how I first heard Injustice for All. Ian, and one more fact, Injustice for All was Metallica's first U.S. Top 10 album. Strange as it sounds. And first big million seller, although Master of Puppets Bits was a gold seller, and Justice actually sold double of um, Master initially. Ian, now your turn, buddy. <laughs> all right, uh, and Justice for All. I remember very well the day this came out, uh, August of 88. Uh, I was 14, a freshman in high school, and was able to leave. At my high school, you could leave for lunch. And all, all the stoners and all the metalheads left and would go to this gas station so we could smoke cigarettes and various other substances. And there was a kid there who it, it was just like uh, Matthew McConaughey in Days of Confused. I think this guy graduated in 1958, but but still hung out at every like high school keg party and stuff, trying to pick up some teenage girls. And he went and picked the album up, showed up there at lunchtime, you know, so he could show off for the girls. And uh, and played it. That's that's the first time I heard it, and I remember, wow, his car stereo sucks. Little did I know that was the actual production of the album, but uh, I was very excited, very excited, and uh, also interesting postscript. That was the first day I ever took acid too, and what was <laughs> was listen, drop the tab, listen to it, you know, for what I could fit in for my lunch hour, and then I went back to school. Uh, bad choice because I had typing right after lunch. And man, when that shit kicked in and you hear like 25 fucking typewriters going at once, asked to go see the school nurse, uh, you know, call my grandma, I'm sick. I remember the car ride home, I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of the car, uh, on the edge of the seat. If I was any closer, I would have been out the window. Went home, locked myself in the room and listened to the wall because that's what I was told you were supposed to do. Uh <laughs> And uh, <laughs> let's just say I didn't try that again till I was like 18. And uh, then I found out you're supposed to watch the wall, not listen to it. But anyway, uh, if we have any younger, you know, listeners here, uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm glorifying taking typing because typing's bad. That shit leads to drugs. And uh, <laughs> and uh, that that's my first memory of Justice for All. Which, by the way. Um... Ian, no, the wall is like the worst thing you can listen to on acid because the wall is extremely depressing 
Uh, Dark Side of the Moon would have been a better way to go. I know that now. Uh, <laughs> or yeah. animals. Well, yeah, I mean, animals. Animals, well, I don't know, Terrence. I mean, honestly, animals is my favorite. Uh, no, you know what? You're right, because I'm, I'm thinking of sheep now. And, yeah, sheep is more is more acid-oriented than anything off of uh, Dark Side. But it's, Dark Side uh, is like a con- continuous, continuous uh, acid trip where, you know, select parts of animals like sheep. Sheep were... And dogs too, you know, where the the keyboard turns into vocals. Yeah. Or not the vocals, the vocals turn into keyboards. Yeah. Wow. What a, what an amazing album. But that's a future episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you like uh, Animals, Ian? Uh, that is my absolute favorite Pink Floyd album. Okay, we're not going to review that one. Now. Okay. Bye. All right, so, that's my that's so my uh, that, second favorite. What would, what would be your favorite? Uh, the one that preceded it being Wish You Were Here. Ah, interesting. Okay. And that is my uh, that is one of my least favorites. So that could be an interesting interview. You're yeah, going to get maybe, it, Ian. Actually, I do, I do love uh, Wish You Were Here, but I would actually put uh, Animals and the Wall above it. But, you know, that's just me. All right, so um, let's get into uh, Injustice. I'll start it off the proceedings with track one which is my favorite track off the album, Blackened. Um, Very, very old-school Metallica, but also uh, something that uh, they've been doing for the past two albums, Ride the Lightning and and, uh, Master of Puppets all started off with that kind of little intro to go into the heaviness, and then the second track is the title track, then the third one is a little more, you know, uh, for the whom the bell tolls, and uh, what is it? The thing that should not be more mid-tempo and eye of the beholder. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it pretty much starts. It's what you expected from Metallica. It, it it's just to me the standout track, the best track on the album. It has aged awesomely uh my favorite song, and I love the breakdown. Why your mother put to death? Watch your mother die. Am I, am I remembering that right? Something like that. See our mother anyway, death. See our mother die. Yeah, that is so awesome. I, is he talking about Earth, the planet, or his I actual mother? I believe so. I believe he was talking about the Earth. Yeah. Great, great. I love every song that, that, that praises the Earth. Like like Revelation, Mother Earth, and uh, well, I guess those are the only two songs. Uh, <laughs> Stick doesn't count. I don't care about the rainforest. All right, so uh, that's my take on Black and the best song on the damn album. Love it. And I hated that when I saw the Black Tour, they did a melody of Justice album where they only put little pieces of Black in. I want to hear that whole thing, man. That should not be in a melody. Put, put the rest of the album in a melody, but not fucking Black. All right, that, that's what I, that's what I have to say. Best, best. I think it's the best song they ever did after Cliff. All right, okay. so that's what I think about Black and uh, Ian. Let's see what you think. Uh, Blacken is tied for me for my favorite track. Uh, I'll tell you the other one when we get to it, but I think Blacken is just a balls-out thrash song. Uh, the only one that it has a co-write with Jason Newstead, uh, and a great way to start the album. Uh, just it, it, it is uh, an environmental song lyrically, which was kind of different, kind of cool. Uh, 
but just a balls out thrasher. I was listening to this morning just to refresh on the album, and uh, it just had me fucking jamming. But uh, yeah, definitely tied for favorite for this album. <coughs> Terrence, what do you think? All right, Blackened is the opening song on Injustice for All, and like you two bastards, I agree. Best song on the album. When I first heard this as a 12 year, uh, 13 year old made in April of 89 I was like what the hell is this you know the backward guitar and then into the killer rocker that it is James Hetfield writing about the environment which was a, a different topic for James because up to that point most of the, the Metallica songs were about either death or rebellion or what have you and war your typical themes of metal but great themes if you ask me um the song, you know, the twists and turns, it sort of goes in like mid-tempo for the, you know, the revelation, da-da-da-da, that section, and then the first guitar solo, and then thinking the song's going to be that way, it goes back into the melody and riff of the first part with Kirk Hammett going into town on his lightning speed guitar solo, which always hits me right here every time I hear it. And a little-known fact, Metallica now have their own record label, which is named after this particular song called Blackened Recordings. And it's distributed by Universal outside the U.S., and it's distributed by Warner Music here in the States and our friends in Canada. And um, they re-released all of the Metallica albums on Blackened Recordings in the last um, year, as well as their current live release through the Never, which is... Eh, I still see Binge and Purge was the better live album, but we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> but Blackened, a kick-ass tune. Okay, uh, so I just want to bring up something that I learned from doing my reviews. There's a lot of times I leave stuff out and people just love to correct me. When I said, oh, Revelation, Mother Earth, and Blackened are the only two environmental songs ever uh, recorded, I, I, I'm wrong. I know there's a million from Nuclear Assault, Greenhouse Effect, from Testament, and a million others that I can't think at the moment, but some of you out there will probably want to, oh, and also this and that. Okay, yeah, you're right, all right. Give yourself a fucking cookie. All right, now, Terrence, you start off with uh, with uh, Injustice for All, the title track. Next is the title epic, literally epic. Another one of my favorites on the album begins with the, you know, uh, clean electric guitar, do-do-do-do, and then all of a sudden it gets heavy, and then it keeps going like that for like the first two minutes. And then for the verse section, it's a little faster tempo. And um, ah, da, 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 I can't believe the things you say. And the chorus was always something that struck me on first listen and still hits me today, 20 some odd years later. Justice is lost. Justice is raped. Justice is done. I go, couldn't have said it better myself. The guitar solos, the sawing. Just an excellent, excellent song. Thankfully, one that I don't really hear on the radio much these days because this is a Metallica show every night here where I live up here in New England. And uh, some Metallica songs, they burn out from the old catalog. Luckily, the title track to Injustice is not one of them. Um, Ralph, your turn. Okay. Um, Terrence, finally, I disagree with you. It's about time. Um, I think this song would be much better if they, they they condensed it to like a four minute song. I think the riffs just go on and on way too long, way too repetitive. I do like the lyrics. I do like the delivery of James. I like the whole uh, concept of the song. I think it's great, but I think it's just too damn long. 
and the riff just go over and over. And then when they change the riff, that riff goes over and over. They should have condensed it to me. It, it suffers from being way too long. But Terrence, I understand you do like the long songs, so I can understand why you like it. And your opinion is right, my friend. And my opinion is wrong to you and vice versa. Okay? Exactly. So I think uh, Injustice for All is too plotting and too long and too boring. And I think it would have been a much better song if it was four minutes long. All right, Ian. All right. Injustice for All. Uh, this is great because here I get to piss Ralph off again. Uh, it's kind of my fault for this song. A lot of people don't know this, but at the time of this recording, I was real good friends with Metallica. And uh, they're like, they're like, hey, Ian, uh, we want to take it to the next level. You know, we want to, you know, you know it's like we're, we're doing good. We got good grassroots campaign. We can't afford videos yet, but, you know, but we're trying. And I'm like, well, you know, you want to win a fucking Grammy? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, then you need to get like Jethro Toll and write some long fucking songs. You know, you know, I'm like, you know. <laughs> Hey, if it, if it's good at four minutes, it's going to be fucking even better at nine, um, you know. And they took my advice. Uh, I think it's a great song. Unfortunately, it's responsible for the Black album because by the end of this tour, they were so fucking tired of playing this long ass song that they felt was losing people's attentions. That you know, they made the decision. You know, with the next album, it's going to be shorter songs, and we're going to sell out. And uh, and that's exactly what they did. But uh, the song itself, I enjoy. It, it is a long song. I love the solo. I love Kirk Hammett's solo on this. Where, you know, that end part where he just does the dive and then it goes right back into it. Uh, fucking gives me chills every time. Uh, so uh, I enjoy the long song. And, uh, you know, I don't mind a little Jethro Tull in my Metallica. And then we go into Eye of the Beholder. A great, great fucking track. Probably this was my favorite uh, first here in the record. Uh, I don't know what it was, but this one just grabbed me by the boo-boo and didn't let go. I play this fucking song over and over. Um, and it, it's still it's still something I enjoy. Actually, when I first got this, I enjoyed the first side so much, I played it over and over and didn't get into the second side, you know, till a long time after. Cause I used to get like, because it was cassettes back then. So, you know, man, I just fucking rewind and listen to it again. And... Uh, there's not a whole lot of history I have on this song. It's just it's a rocker that I love, and never got to see him play live, and would really love to hear live. What do you think, Ralph? Well, I did get to see him live, play it live two times actually on that tour, and unfortunately, because I don't like the song, so uh, it sucks. Life sucks when when I get to see a song you really want to see live, and I didn't want to see live. That you know I, that sucks. I, I I don't even believe you. I think secretly you love this song. You're just, you're just trying to get my goat, and you, and you did it. I'm pissed. God damn it. No 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 no. I'm not trying to get your goat. I don't hate the song. Actually, at the time when they played it live, I didn't mind it. it sounded better live than on album. Actually, any song they play live sounds better than this album because this album just sounds so thin. Obviously, because there's no bass on it, and I, the 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 sound of this album is it really does bother me. It just sounds way too thin and I know there's a version out there called uh, Justice for Jason where they put bass on it. I don't know I think it's some guy played the bass of this album and it sounds better but still it, it, they should have put Jason on the album uh, this song honestly man no seriously I, I am being serious uh, I I can take or leave I don't care for this song at all really it's 
If I, you know, yesterday I listened to the album in entirety and I was like, I mean, you know, it's just continuous, continuous, which, I mean, the only good thing I can say about it is Metallica invented that crunch, you know, which, you know, they just were incorporating crunch on everything and, and making it different, you know, different angles. And they did it on this one too. They made it more mid-tempo. Just like their previous two albums, where the third song was more mid-tempo, um, I give this song on a scale of one to ten a five. Okay, so I don't really hate it. I'm like halfway about it. Uh, how about you, Terrence? I um, have the Beholder, which is the third song on side one of the cassette, third song on the CD, and first song on side two of the original vinyl record. Um, it's it's a, not a bad tune. It's not the greatest Metallica song either, but it's not their worst. It's uh, the at the beginning does kind of get annoying, but the singing of James Hetfield makes up for it. Do you see what I see? Truth is an offense. And then um, I like it how it does change into the slower thing for the chorus. No, no matter how I say, and then into the freedom of choice. You know, the, I like the changes, although the did get kind of annoying, but the way that the song changes has a bit of changes here and there make the song listenable but there are worse Metallica songs believe me hint load and reload uh yeah okay so now we go into the, the most popular song on the album a song called One which was their first video they played it on the Grammys that year and I know you all you're all I know you think I'm going to be very predictable with this one because it is the popular one, and I'm not supposed to give it a glowing review. And plus, like the last two albums, the fourth song, Fade to Black, Sanitarium, one, you know, the mellow one that gets heavy. Um, I really love one. One is probably my second favorite song on the album. I think it's an amazing song, and my favorite part is the middle section, with darkness imprisoning me. I think that part is so awesome that unfortunately, the lame motherfuckers in Thrasher Die do not want to play that live because I wanted to do that section in the middle of our song, Fatal Fury, where, you know, there's a part in the song where I go, just when they thought I knew the answers, I changed the questions. I wanted to go right into that. Da -da 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 -da. I wanted to do that so bad, but everybody in the band, you know, they, you know, I mean, nothing against gay people, but it's true. Everybody in my band sucks cock. And that's why they can't. They can't do that because they, they think too much of cock and they can't do one live. I mean, I, it's just, you know, whatever. So I love this song. I would say it's tied for my second favorite song on the album. And uh, I'll discuss what my what's the song it's tied with when we get to it. So uh, I'm throwing this one to Terrence. Okay, one, the song that, gave Metallica new fans. I mean, luckily I heard the song before it became a hit, thanks to my estranged brother. Uh, the song, in its full glory, the full seven minutes, excellent. The video, kind of chopping out a lot of the good bits, especially the outro where James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett do the twin lead guitar that kind of remind me of Thin Lizzy come um, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden with the twin harmony leads at the end after Kirk Hammett's solo where they're doing that you know it just reminded me so much of uh, Priest, Lizzie and Maiden's twin guitar attack 
that you know that part alone where it gets faster that's the best part of the song and the video shot that off unless you saw the full eight minute video which MTV didn't have the balls to play much because they were more interested in showing that hag Madonna why I don't fucking know but one kicks ass Ian now you take over um, first of all I just want to say that there will be no homophobic comments allowed on here uh, I'm, I myself am not gay but the dude I'm fucking is, that guy loves the cock. And, uh, yeah, he's sensitive. So, any that being said, uh, one, that is just, it's an epic fucking song. What a big deal it was for that video to come out. And what a great video it was. I mean, I think if people weren't, didn't come up in that area, they didn't appreciate how special it was that Metallica was finally doing a video and how different it was because... You know, all the videos I was watching back then had some big old titties in them. And there wasn't no titties in this video. This shit was dark. Uh, but it fit the song perfect. I mean, it was just a total epic. That being said, I never need to hear this fucking song again. Uh, just because, you know, the overkill factor. I, I love it, but even, I don't think I made it... Both times I listened to this album, getting ready for the review, I don't think I made it the whole way through. Because I've just... I've been there done that uh it's a great song it's just burned out but i love it and that's what i got on one that's good you know it's funny it's funny you mentioned that ian about the you know the video not having big titties and stuff and all those videos back then you know had chicks walking around with shorts and cherry pie and shit like that but funny enough for some weird reason i would always pause one where they show the nurse and masturbate to her i don't know i'm a weird guy (laughs) You know, I thought I was the only one. I used to jerk off to fucking Rats Way Cool Junior video. I had a part where I paused it. Uh, Yeah, I probably shouldn't have brought that up. Anyway, uh, next song is Harvester of Sorrow. Wait a second. Okay. Um, Did you pause it when Stephen Piercy was rubbing his ass with that that cane? No, but what's fucked up, the reason I started pausing it is because, uh, you know, one time I ejaculated, but they they switched real quick and it showed Stephen Piercy. I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) You know, am I gay by proxy? You know, because, you know, I, I did finish, you know, while they were showing him. But, you know, he's a damn pretty man. So, I, you know, I just learned to pause. Well, okay, I'll just make a quick note. Uh, Ian just described what happened to me a lot when I used to masturbate to 70s and 80s porn. Right <laughs> when the guy is about to get a facial, they get a close-up of the guy making that face like, oh, oh. It's like, God damn it, you know. I've watched Katy Perry videos and put porno music over from the 70s and have uh, had my wet fantasies. You, you have oh, to. Shit, you had to because there's no <laughs> chicks in a Genesis video. <laughs> Except for Jesus, he knows me where there, uh, there's a bunch of uh, pretty women poolside with the guys in Genesis. Ah, oh, you with your fucking facts. I love you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I get to introduce the next song, and it's yes. a song that I am very, 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 very annoyed with now, The Shortest Straw, which began side three of the original vinyl record. The reason I'm annoyed with it now is because that far right-wing lunatic, Michael Savage, uses it as his entrance theme. Now I cannot hear the song without thinking of that Savage Nation. I loved it many years ago, but now I'm like, I cannot hear that song without thinking of that right-wing fear-mongering freak. One of you guys take over. Uh, Okay, I'll take this one. Um, What I was saying earlier was... I did see them play Shortest Straw on the Black Album Tour when um, d- down here in South Florida we had a 
a catastrophe called Hurricane Andrew, where it just totally leveled us and it was really bad times for us down here. And I was without electricity for so long. And after like a week of it, I couldn't take it anymore. And I went to Orlando where Guns N' Roses and Metallica were doing a co-headlining tour at a big stadium in Orlando. And I figured, fuck it, man. Let me go up there and watch the show and then go to a hotel that has electricity. And I went up there and they played Shortest Straw, which I, you know, I, I really was happy that they played something different. You know, they weren't, you know, doing just the... the the songs they was doing. I always, I always love when a band plays a song from an album that they didn't actually play on that tour. So, Short and Straw was cool, but I did listen to it yesterday, and it has not aged well with me. It's not a bad song. I kind of like the melody of the the chorus, but you know, then when it goes into Short and Straw, to me, rub you raw. It's like, ah, whatever, you know. Let's go to the next one. So I, I didn't actually finish listening to it last night. So again, um, Shortest Draw is a good song, but it should have been condensed. How about you, Ian? Um, I agree. I think this is the first one where it's like, oh, this might be a little bit of filler. Uh, not bad, but nothing to write home about. I mean, and uh, you know, I kind of like my review of this song. I mean, I really don't have anything to add because it's just... It is what it you know. It's an it's an all right song, you know. They definitely have worse, but uh, it's not one like oh yeah, you know. Put on shortest straw, you know, if you're playing injustice. At least for me, so it is what it is. All right, why don't you why don't you continue? Uh, Harvester of Sorrows next, or Terrence, you you start that one. <clears throat> okay, I'll start uh, Harvester of Sorrow next. Um, Harvester of Sorrow is the. Um, next song and one of my favorites on the album it just begins with the da, 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 just the you know the, the guitar riffs the the chorus is punchy harvester of sorrow language of the mad and, you know I've always liked the song and it's just it's just a good song great riff excellent playing from the band and uh, like I said the guitar riff is just hooky it's you know punchy and that's i kind of like hooky and punchy things but um harvester of sorrow excellent song um ian off you go uh harvester of sorrow uh i i do love it uh you know it's not my favorite uh i i, I think it's because i loved heart a song called harvester of eyes by uh by blue oyster cult and my dad always just told me you know my dad was a huge blue oyster cult fan and he just loved, he, he said the imagery, he goes, think about it, he goes, a harvester of eyes. And I was like, ooh, you know, because if you don't know a harvester, what you see out in the country, they put all the fucking grain or whatever into. So it's like this huge thing just filled with eyes for that song. And I kind of related that to this song, too, just like a big fucking metal cylinder filled of fucking sorrow. And uh, I don't know, it just got me more into the song, and I like the groove on it. Uh, not my favorite, but definitely enjoyable, and I was rocking out to it today. You know, just, you know, I, I always love the deep cuts. You know, get tired of the radio shit, and uh, this is something I think would be really cool for them to play live. And uh, that's all I got for that one. So, Well, that it is a song they played live for a long time. Actually, like I said earlier, the first time I saw Metallica was before the album was released, and this was the one song they played at Monsters of Rock to... Uh, to, to let everybody know this is going to be on the next album. Then they played it on the Black Tour, and then they also played it on the 
uh, live shit, and, uh, shit, uh, binge, whatever. They did actually a summer tour binge for that. Purge. Binge and Purge. That played here in Bicentennial Park with Suicidal Tendencies, Fight with nice. Ron Halford, where the, where, the, where the encore, fucking Metallica played Rapid Fire, and fucking Rob Halford came out and sang it with him. Nice. How badass. That, to me, was the pinnacle of Metallica. The best time I ever saw them. They actually played that day uh, Disposable Heroes, which is my second favorite Metallica song. But, okay, now to get back in Harvester of Sorrow. Harvester of Sorrow started a little trend. I think they were very influenced by the song The Small Hours that they covered on the Garage Days. It's got that vibe. And then the next album, Sad But True, has that kind of mid-tempo crunch. So I think... uh, they, they really got stuck on that. And then they just stopped doing Harvester of Sorrow, I, I think, during the load tour. That's it. After that, I think they have thrown it out here and there. But I stopped going to Metallica shows after I saw the horrible load show in Ooh. the Miami Arena where they started. I mean, this is what killed me about this show. I mean, I went because Metallica always kicked ass live. Wasn't a fan of load, but what the hell. I'm going to see Metallica in Miami Arena. It was like five minutes from my house. So I went there, and they played, uh, during the middle of the show, they played Fight Fire with Fire, and then he stopped it right before the vocals came in, and they went right into Nothing Else Matters. And from that day forward, I vowed to never go see Metallica again. That's a whole other story. What do I think of Harvester of Sorrow? It's a good song. It's a great song. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's one of the songs I like on the album. There's not many songs I like off this album, but this is one of them. All right, so uh, Ian, tell us what you think of uh, what's the next one? The Eye of the Beholder? No, Freight of Ends. Yeah, Freight Ends of Sanity. Oh, <laughs> Freight Ends of Sanity. You know, when we first started talking about reviewing this album, uh, you're like, "Oh yeah, let's do this," because I'm not a huge fan. I was like, "Oh, how can you not be a fan of fucking you know Justice for All?" And then you went, "Oh, oh, oh," and I was like, "Oh yeah, that shit was fucked up." Uh, that that was a bad decision. Uh, I, I I do like the song, but that part of it has not aged well uh, at all. But uh, but overall, I still think it's a strong song. But uh, they should have edited that shit out. That's for damn sure. Terrence, what do you think? I am sick of the song. I fucking despise the frayed ends of sanity. The oh we oh is so fucking stupid. And uh, the fucking song I just cannot listen to anymore without thinking of that fear mongering son of a bitch, Michael Savage, who also uses the riff, the dun 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 dun, dun for his uh, coming back from commercial break. I fucking cannot stand it. That and Shortest Straw are two songs from this album that I would rather not ever hear ever again. Ralph, take over before I explode. Yeah, this to me would be the weak. Well, I don't know. No, there's a song I even like less than this one, believe it or not. We haven't got to yet. But I, this would be my second least favorite. And I really, this was actually the first Metallica song I heard from everything they've done up to that point where I was like, oh, what the hell is this? And the thing I hate a lot about it is not really the OEO part, the part where it's like, never hunger, never prosper, da 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 da. Then they go to that. And then they another vocal. I hate songs that have that kind of 
repetitious riff between lyrics. I just uh, every song that's like that drives me nuts. I, I hate it. And uh, I just like a fucking chorus to get like don't bore us, get to the chorus, you know. But but the, this verse shit where they you know they they stretch it out with with riffs in between lyrics. Always rubbed me the wrong way, and yeah, Metallica did it with this song. Um, weak, weak, but uh, not as weak as the next track. My least favorite song on the album is this long, boring instrumental called "To What Is It To Live or To Die?" Or "To Live Is To Die." "To Live Is To Die." Let me tell you something about this song, man. I mean, to me, the greatest Metallica song ever written, in my opinion, is Orion. Orion to me is like probably one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. I definitely put it up in my top five. I'm not, I like the Call of Cthulhu. I like that one too, but it's still, I don't think it's a pimple on the ass of, uh, of uh, Orion, but geez, it's like, it's way better than this one. This one is just repetitious, like Injustice for All title track, riffs going over. Even the, the beginning intro goes way too long with the little mellow thing. Then it goes into this riff that are just continuously going over and over and over. The only part I like is when it just abruptly stops and it goes into this little, I don't know, it's like you hear like it's a different production. You hear like this little riff. And I, I could be wrong, but I think Cliff Burton wrote that. I, did he? Yes, he did. Turn? Yes, okay. he did. And I'm not saying this because of the dead man syndrome. I love Cliff Burton, but I'm not saying that's why the only part I like of the song, because if he didn't write that part, I'd still like it. That part of the song I liked, and then it stretched out a bit with the solo, which is cool, but it, it did go a little too long. Where I, Even that part, you know, if they condensed it, and then it just went back to the same crap. Uh, my least favorite song on the album, and one of the main reasons why I don't really put on this album that much, because a lot of these songs seem to just stretch out with these riffs on repeat. Um, Terrence, what do you think? To Live Is To Die, not a bad instrumental, but not Metallica's best instrumental either. I still say the greatest one has to be The Call of Cthulhu, in my opinion, with Orion, a, a uh, testicle here on par with that. To Live Is To Die, mm, the acoustic thing, yeah, the acoustic thing could have been excised, but the, um, the guitar solo section where James Hetfield's guitar solo, where it does change keys to A minor for a, couple, a moment or two is one of the best parts of the song and then the little poetry thing was excellent as well but the other bits of the instrumental were just eh, I've heard worse Ian, now your turn <clears throat> oh great, this is where I really get to piss fucking Ralph off which I enjoy doing oh so much because I agree with him 100% and he's going to hate oh, that. Wait, hold on, hold on. Ow! Fuck, man, a tampon just flew out of my ass. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was going to hurt, buddy. Uh, yeah, listening to this uh, reminded me why I always listen to Side One. Uh, way, way too long uh, and just goes nowhere. You know, boring. And, and, and it's sad because this is supposed to be like, you know, a, you know, a send-off to Cliff Burton, you know, like a final bow in your head and I wish they would have came up with something fucking better than this. Um, yeah, it was one of those where I'm like, okay, I got to listen to this album because I'm going to review it. I was like, when's this song fucking over? I'm looking at my watch because it was just going fucking nowhere. 
And uh, but it does lead in to what ties for my favorite track of the uh, on the album is Dyer's Eve. And who man, would like? You're pissing me off again, man. Because that's my second favorite as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, finally got some good taste for once. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna start off with Dyer's Eve. Uh, I love it. I I love the attitude. I love the way you know uh, the the subject matter. He's he's pissed at his parents who were. I don't know if you know his parents were Christian scientists where they don't even fucking take you to the doctor if you're sick. You know, uh, the power of Christ compels you kind of thing. Um, you know, he was isolated as a child because, you know, he was in such a fucking cult. And this is just him spitting back at his parents and say, you know, this is kind of, it's his wall moment where you fuck me up this way and you fuck me up that way. Um, but you feel every bit of it. Uh, musically, it's great. Lyrically, it's great. And uh, it's it's a great way to bookend the album. I mean, because I think the two best songs are the first and last. And, and then there's some long-ass shit in the fucking middle. But uh, this is a great song. Terrence, what do you think about Dyer's Eve? Dyer's Eve, I have to concur with you guys. I agree. It's another classic on this album, my second favorite as well. Um, the, the beginning of it, you think it's going to be another um, blackened, and then it just goes boom, 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 boom. And then it, I was thinking when I first heard it, it was like, oh, crap, is it going to be a slow song? And all of a sudden, full bludgeoning, dear mother, dear father. What is this hell you put me through? Old sport, I've outgrown the fucking lullaby. I'm like, right on, James. You know, the song just kicks ass, the lyrics kick ass, and um, to me, just a great way to end a different album from Metallica. And uh, what can I say? At least uh, the album ends on an excellent note. All Ralph? right, so that's our, that's our uh, review on uh, and Justice for... Ralph, Ralph you, yeah, yeah. You got you got to review Dyer's Eve. Oh, I didn't review that one. No. Well, I I, I did like it, but now that you liked it, I, I don't want to say anything about it. I hate it. Fuck. <laughs> Come on, Ralph, please. Okay. I beg you. All right. Uh, yes, it is a good song. It's my second favorite, almost tied with Blacken, but no, not as good as Blacken. A song they never played live till. St. Anger tour, which uh, they played down here, which I didn't go, but my friend told me, dude, they played Dire Eve. I was like, no way, because there was a lot of controversy that they said Lars wasn't able to play this song live. That's why it was never played live, but I did see video. It's up on YouTube. Uh, I'm sure they played it more than just the Sunrise Florida show. I'm sure they played it many more times after that, but I did see it, and I thought Lars did an okay job. Um... And okay, you know, and here's something else I want to touch upon. Lars Ulrich, who is considered like the worst drummer and blah, 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 and this and that. And, you know, I was watching uh, the Through the Never movie not too long ago, and, you know, I mean, he he is a little too unorthodox these days, and I think he does kind of suck. But to me, he was a very special drummer back in the 80s because, he wasn't like, yeah, a great drummer or anything, but just his, the way he played was so off time and stuff like that, but yet he made it work. And a good example would be the played out for whom the bell tolls, um, where I, I don't know, man, if you get a perfect drummer, it wouldn't be as cool. That's another thing I liked about Slayer. Lombardo, even though Lombardo is like a million, billion times better than Lars Ulrich, and he's an amazing drummer, 
but yet he's still a little unorthodox where Paul Bostoff, who's an amazing drummer, but he's just too precise. And I know a lot of people don't like Guns N' Roses out there, but I happen to worship Appetite for Destruction. And it was, to me, the best thing about that album was the Adler and Duff McKagan, the rhythm section, I think made that fucking album so great, where Matt Storm is like a robot. And that's why it's, I think User Illusion suffered a lot. I know I'm getting off base, uh, but going back to Lars Ulrich, yeah, he sucks. But back then, man, it, the way he sucked was cool. And uh, recap of Injustice for All, uh, it's a downgrade from the first three. The first three are just flawless. But uh, honest with you, I don't listen to Ride of Lightning and Master of Puppets much anymore. If I'm going to put on any Metallica, it's Kill Em All. Or, believe it or not, the Garage Days EP, the 598 EP, I, I never get tired of that one. But Justice, yeah, I can go the rest of my life not listening to it, and I'll be fine. But, you know. I did listen to it yesterday, and I gave you my review. Three great songs, or four, the rest I can do without. Uh, what, what do you guys think of Metallica as a whole? Let's see. Um, Ride the Lightning's my favorite. And Justice for All, it's gone down a bit with the passage of time, because I listened to it myself for the first time in a few years, being a few years removed from the album. Because when you first hear an album, you're, you like everything, and then you take a year away from it and then you go back to it and you find out things that you like about it and you don't like about it and um when i re-listened to and justice some of it now is not aged well with me and then there's like i said two of the songs that i have now have sour taste in my mouth because of a certain um because i'm not a political guy i think all left wingers and right wingers are uh, assholes as far as i'm concerned i support nobody but um Michael Savage burning out shortest run Freedom and Sanity for me just degraded the album from used to love it very much to nah, kind of a not bad but not great album either. Ian? Alright, uh, again, you know, I got a lot of history with this album because you know, like I said, I was pretty close to Metallica at the time and I, I feel bad for the bass sound on this album because, you know, they called me up and they said, hey, you know, Jason's kind of playing like the same thing we're playing on guitars. It doesn't sound that good. Um, you know, so I'm like, well, you know, maybe bring in somebody else and play bass. So I recommended Randy Jackson of American Idol fame, who was a very good uh, session player at the time. Me? With and, Journey. Yeah, yeah, I played with Journey. He did a great job on uh, Raised on Radio. So based on that, I was like, hey, he's going to be a perfect fit for Metallica. Well, that didn't work out. So I was like, well, maybe you should get Cliff back. And they're like, well, Cliff's dead. And I was like, well, that could be an issue. So I was like, well, why don't you just plug, you know, his bass in and then record the album like that, and that's what they did, you know. His bass was plugged in, but nobody actually played it, and that's why you get the sound you do. Um, so <laughs> once again, kind of my fault. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do have the version, uh, the uh, and Justice for Jason, uh, interesting fact, a lot of people don't know who's actually playing bass on that is not the original Jason Newstead track, but it is Bobby Dahl from Poison. Uh, he was he was looking for work at the time, and uh, I, I think he did an all right job. You know, not too shabby. Uh, he's, hey, it's nothing but a good time to me. You know, I think it sounds fun. Uh, as a whole, uh, I have to agree with Terrence. Ride the Lightning is my favorite. Uh, love Kill 'Em All. Love Master of Puppets. Uh, 
this pains me. I have to agree with Ralph. I never, ever get tired of the Garage Days EP. Uh, every track on that is just timeless and still sounds fresh. And, man, I wish they kept that spirit. Uh, Black Album, what a letdown. Saw that tour. Um, only time, actually, I ever saw Metallica. Thankfully, they only played three songs off it because it hadn't been released yet. Um and the rest of the show was killer. Load and unload, I've never even made it through all the way because it was so just fucking... God, I remember hearing Until It Sleeps for the first time. I was like, oh yeah, this shit ain't getting any fucking better. You know? I, I remember being at a keg party when uh, after the Black Album came out and a girl came up and said, hey, can you play that romantic uh, Metallica song? You know, and it was uh, fucking nothing else. Ma- That's when I knew it was fucking over. Um... Uh, Saint Anger. Well, I, mean, I ain't gonna talk about the fucking uh, orchestra fucking album. That fucking abortion. Uh, about Garage Inc. Yeah, uh, Gra- Garage Inc. Eh, yeah, no, no, don't cut it for me. I don't like their fucking whiskey in the jar. I despise their turn the page. I do like the Merciful Fate melody though. I, I, I do like that. Even though, uh, by and large, I fucking hate melodies. Play the fucking song. Hey, if you like all three songs, play all three fucking songs. Don't fucking jumble them together. I hate melodies. Disc, disc two of Garage Inc. was all the B-sides and the Garage Days EP on um, the second CD of Garage Inc. No, no, I, I agree. I like all the, you know, Bread Fan, Prince. I, I like that shit. But it, I'm talking about the new stuff that they recorded for Garage Inc. Oh, CD one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not a fan of old CD one. Uh, they had totally lost me by then. Uh, I was so glad when Jason Newstead left the band because he, at that point, he was the only one that was still listening to metal. Uh, they they never really let him do anything in the band, uh, and I'm glad he got out of that abortion before fucking uh, you know some kind of monster movie and everything shows you what kind of douchebags they really are, you know aside from Kirk. Uh, uh, Saint Anger was a step in the right direction, but horrible production, horrible trash can drums. But I thought they were starting to get like maybe they kind of remember, you know, but they're not quite there yet. Death Magnetic. I do believe is a good album, but once again, horrible production. Uh, I mean, I honestly feel there's only two good produced Metallica albums, and that would be uh, Ride the Lightning and Master. As much as I love Kill 'Em All, it's still a very raw production. You know, much like Show No Mercy by Slayer. Uh, I, I I love it, but you, you want to talk about a good sound? I really think they only had a good sound on Ride and Master. Um, I, I just heard the new song, Lords of Summer. It, it's not horrible, but, you know, it ain't fucking Ride the Lightning, I'll tell you that much. And you can tell they're going back with Rick Rubin, uh, you know, a producer who just signs his name and says, hey, Rick Rubin produces. Uh, I think they need somebody like Terry Date, you know, uh, you know, a, a good metal producer, uh, you know, might help him out, but I, I don't know. I'd still go see him live, but musically I think they're a lost cause. I have never seen Metallica live, and um, Load and Reload, I could rather live without those two abortions as far as I'm concerned. And that orchestra album was brutal. Yeah. Closing thoughts, Ralph. Okay, the orchestra album, I think, was another one of their attempts to slap the old school fans. Metallica was really good at pissing off old school fans. I don't know why, but they always like to piss off the old school fans. So how... 
okay, what can we do? Oh, I know. Let's get all our old songs and put like some crappy orchestra behind it. And let's change the songs a bit. That'll piss them off, you know. It wasn't bad enough with Lord and Revo. Now, here's a couple things I'm going to say that's very blasphemous, but I'm going to say uh, I can't deny should I like. Now, there's two songs I like. Well, actually, there's two songs I like on on uh, Load, and there's one song I like on Reload. I like Until It Sleeps. I really do. Uh. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. The lyrics to that song are so fucking awesome. I just love those lyrics. And I, I'll agree with you, Ian. The first time I heard it, I was like, what, they're trying to be dancing? Because with that, like, guitar and shit? I didn't like it at first. But I grew to like it. So I really do like that. I like the last tune on the album called Outlaw Porn. It's an epic, long-ass song, which is funny how I would like that. that. But, you know, they don't really repeat the riffs that much. And I think it's a good song. Now, to make you guys really cringe, I love, and this is probably my favorite song they've done since After and Justice for All. I love Memory Remains. Love the oh, hell out of oh. that. Oh my god, I love that so fucking much. I don't know why it reminds me of Celtic Frost or Celtic Frost or something like that. But I don't know, it has that morbid, eerie vibe to it that I really dig that weird, high pitched little music going on in the background. Now, Death Magnetic, St. Anger is not even worth talking about. Okay, you know, I mean. That's that goes without saying how horrible that was. Death Magnetic, I have a huge, huge problem with because they tried to go back to the old school thrash sound with My Apocalypse and a couple songs here and there. They threw in a little bit of the thrash thing, but they're only doing it because it's popping out and they're noticing people are just getting fed up after seeing anger with their fucking oh let's try to be original bullshit. Um, I respected Metallica more when they were sucking. I respect St. Anger more than Death Magnetic because at least in St. Anger, they were, tr- they were trying to be themselves. Where in Death Magnetic, they're trying to fit into the now that thrashing is popular again. Let's say, hey, let's be thrash. I don't hear the fire. I don't hear the hunger in my apocalypse that I did in Creeping Death or Trapped Under Ice. <laughs> so in closing, oh yeah, and I heard that end of summer, whatever the fuck that song is. That, that shit sucks. Again, it, it has little elements of them trying to be thrash again. Lars uh, and I, I've hunted, I've looked for this clip everywhere and I can't find it, but there is a clip of Lars at the Grammy being interviewed and him saying, this is during the load era, 1996, him saying, heavy metal is dead. It's never coming back. We're never going back to how we were because that's just dead. And I always remember that about this idiot, and I can't find it anywhere. I wish somebody would put that online so I can continuously put it on a loop so everybody can see it. And um, so, yeah, Lars Ulrich is a is a pompous ass, and in fact, the, the, he was talking about their last stage shot was going to make the Pink Floyd stagings look like uh, an ant farm by comparison. Sorry to say, Lars, but Pink Floyd stage sets were always kick-ass. You are a jackass. And by the way, I'm looking forward more to ACDC's new album. Despite the absence of Malcolm Young, I hope it's good without Malcolm Young. I'm open to it. But um, at least ACDC never sold out to the corporate dollar, unlike Metallic Greed. Yeah, 
motherfuckers. Amen, man. And yeah, I am a little weary because as we all know, Malcolm Young writes all the riffs for ACDC and Malcolm Young to me, other than Bon Scott, he's always been my favorite member of ACDC. He's so solid in the pocket. Now, I did see ACDC once without Malcolm Young. Uh, the Blow Up Your Video Tour, Malcolm Young couldn't do that tour. I forgot why. I think he went to rehab or something. They had, his, they had his brother play that, and he, his brother looked just like Malcolm Young. Now, granted, I had kind of nosebleeds, but, man, it looked like Malcolm Young on stage. But, yeah, it's a very sad day that ACDC is not going to be with Malcolm Young anymore, and I hope he does recover. I know he's in bad shape. Um, that nephew is uh, playing with uh, ACDC on the new album and tour, by the way, uh, Stevie Young. Well, I, w- I would just like to thank our sponsors because this never gets done for free. I want to give a shout-out to Bet You Won't Malt Liquor. Try to find something cheaper that gets you more fucked up, bet you won't. Have a couple of these. Think you're going to make it to that interview? Bet you won't. Bet you won't malt liquor. Pueblo, Colorado. <laughs> and... My closing argument is, thank you all for listening, people. And uh, you know what they say, some things in life are mad. Some things in life are bad. They really make you mad. Others just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble. Give a whistle. And this will help things out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. (laughs) Always look on the light side of life. Thank you all for watching. Hope to hear you all again. Give us more ideas for album reviews. And good night. And keep your feet in the ground and keep reaching for the stars. All right. Thank you so much, Terrence. And uh, I guess thank you to Ian, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I, um, I just want to say that uh, I really appreciate everybody that's listening in. And we really would like your feedback. And and your suggestions for future shows. And hopefully um, hopefully we get a lot of hits with this stuff, man, because I think uh, we're three entertaining motherfuckers. So uh, signing off here, uh, take it easy, Ian, take it easy, Terrence, and take it easy, me, and uh, see you all later. Goodbye.